Welcome to this podcast series for the Angaza Awards sponsored by Kenyan Wall Street. We're talking today with Eva Warigia, East African Ventures Capital CEO and a woman to watch in banking and finance. Um, East African Ventures is a partner of the Angaza Awards. Thank you and welcome, Eva. Thanks, Marita, for having me. Um, and thank you to the Kenyan Wall Street. Good to be here. So we'll quickly jump into the questions. Um, so, Eva, you're a key player in the investment sector, and I know there's several lessons um, that the investment sector has seen from COVID. And we'd just like to hear your insights in terms of what kind of impact um, the COVID has had on investment and responsible investment trends in our market. Okay, thank you so much, Marita. Uh, I was saying just a bit, if I you allow me to start with the background or a little bit of background on who we are. The East Africa Venture Capital Association is an ecosystem enabler, which means um, we serve at the intersect of private capital allocators and enterprise, helping them connect um, capital to opportunities and hopefully foster um, transactions and investments into the region. We have presence in five markets of East Africa. So beyond Kenya, we also look at Uganda, Tanzania, Rwanda, and Ethiopia, and soon to get into the DRC. Um, our mandate is pretty much aligned to what Angaza does, which is to foster an environment that allows and supports entrepreneurs and allocators to transact effectively. And when it comes to what we're talking about today being empowering women in finance, um, the EFVCA as an ecosystem enabler tries to amplify the voice of the woman investor, as well as encourage more gender lens or mainstreaming of gender lens as an investment strategy so that we have more capital being allocated to women-led businesses. Now, to your question, what were some of the developments that we saw within the venture capital and private equity space during the last two years? Um, I will say that when COVID track about two years ago in 2020, our immediate default mode was to ensure the safety of the people that were working within our portfolio companies. If you remember, it was high time for health uh, as a priority um, space. Uh, and, and what we did was to work with our portfolio companies to get healthcare and safety pro protocols in place. Um, in terms of the business, our focus shifted from capital allocation to capital, I mean, to portfolio value preservation. And what that meant was being more active investors in our companies, that in the companies that private equity or venture capital invested in, so that we were able to ensure that these businesses did not have a lot of erosion on their top line, um, but worked around the, the economic times that they found themselves in. There was a period where the market was uncertain, supply was uncertain. So helping our portfolio companies deal with the new uh, challenges that came from that environment. Since then, uh, there's been a bit of learnings and shifts that came with the, the, the period of COVID-19. One of them was the, prevalent, uh, the prevalence or adoption of tech as an enabler of business. Um, it started off as a way to cope with the environment of the day, uh, but we quickly realized that it was one way that we could actually mainstream 
um, getting technology infusion into last mile supply, into market engagement, so that if you invested in a company that has a customer facing service, um, how do you then use technology or adapt technology in the long term um, to engage with these customers? Um, it was also a chance for us to rethink our supply chains so that now we're looking at how do we source effectively in a way that causes minimum disruptions. So those are some of the lessons that we learned during COVID. I'll say in terms of impact, uh, I think the greatest impact has been in the prioritization of the people within the companies that we support, um, as well as I would say the adoption or promotion or putting to the to the center um, the, the local suppliers, especially when it comes to industries that require input, uh, so that we are building more local, or I mean, we are helping our companies using local resources uh, for, for their inputs. Thank you, Eva. So um, when we look at localizing private equity and venture capital, um, which I can see EAVC has been doing so well in the region, how can we promote more Africa-to-Africa Africa investments? That's a subject I really love. Um, our origin for being very vocal in localizing private equity and venture capital came from the understanding that for our industry to be sustainable, we needed local pl players to take the lead. Um, at the moment, the bulk of the money that is invested in or through private equity and venture capital still comes from outside of the region, outside of our borders, um, whether it's from development institutions or commercial institutions. Uh, it's money that doesn't necessarily come from East Africans, right? Uh, and the challenge with this, especially as we saw in the last two years, is when there's a, such a crisis, most of those companies, or if it's governments, will tend to realign their focus and priorities to the home market. So to nurture and grow the private equity and venture capital industry, we needed a lot more local players uh, to come in and support in building the enterprise ecosystem in Africa, um, East Africa, uh, but also Africa. So what have we been up to in this regard? Um, two things. One was to try and sensitize institutional investors. I have in mind pension funds, insurance companies on how they can get into alternative assets and private equity and venture being some of the options to consider. So we've offered trainings and continue to offer trainings to trustees of pension funds, um, directors of insurance companies on how to look at alternative um, strategies alternative strategies for their fund uh, portfolios. We've had some success in this. I remember when I joined the EAVCA in 2017, we, were, we had about five uh, at maximum pension funds invested into the alternatives asset classes. Today we have over 20 actually that have written checks or made commitments to private equity and venture capital. And that's the growth that we hope to carry into the medium and long term. Um, the other bit that we have supported largely is in building the local retail investor network, uh, what you call angel investors. This is the first investor you think of that, that a, a startup can source funding for because they 
are less rigid uh, as compared to institutional capital, such as the ones that we work with at EACA. So helping people who have access to capital or are liquid enough to make investments uh, see the value in being backers of startup companies. And we see this as one way to unlock capital to help enterprise startups scale across the region. Um, so when you ask me, how do we promote more Africa to Africa investments? I think one thing I've come to realize is capital is very fluid and it can go anywhere where the opportunity is. We're seeing a lot of capital coming from the West into the continent Africa in search of that alpha return. So in, when it comes to promoting Africa to Africa investments, the quickest win we have at hand is in getting a lot more of our local players to see the value in supporting local startups or local business businesses so that even they get a chance to tap into the same alpha that other investors are seeking. And it doesn't matter whether the capital is Kenyan or Tanzanian or Nigerian, it's very easy to unlock value when you have the right enterprise or the right market environment. So we continue to sensitize people on the value of local mobilization of capital and where the, the reward is higher in supporting local businesses as opposed to probably putting it in traditional assets. Thank you, thank you, Eva. Um, so looking at your experience in private equity and venture capital, um, what would you say, like how can African startups attract patient capital? What are the key indicators investors look for? This is another question that we get a lot. How are, what key indicators do investors look for? Um, so a few things, one is, uh, a properly structured business will always be appealing to an investor. And what I mean with this is um, where you have your governance in order, where you have your books of accounts in order, um, you have proper records of your supplies, inputs, uh, you have proper records of your outputs and the return performance. It makes it easier for us to come in and look at that business and see the place we can play uh, at least immediately um, in, in, in supporting you as a partner. So the quickest win I normally tell people, especially those with existing businesses, is to get your house in order because it makes it easier for me to, to interact with you, get your, get your taxes in order uh, so that I'm not coming in and getting shocked at some lawsuit that's been applied to you by, by the tax regulator. Uh, the other thing is, uh, I, I talked about governance, have in mind some sort of structure. Some of these businesses I know are family-owned, but having some structures in place in terms of a board at minimum or, I mean, or advisors at minimum goes a long way to show the seriousness you accord governance and transparency and compliance um, for that business. So that's that. Um, the second one is, we come in to support the founder's vision or the, the management's vision. So it's also very important that as a person who is making, uh, who's seeking capital and patient capital at that, to be very crystal on what the vision of your business is so that it's not one day when you're talking to us, this is what you're positioning as the potential value. And then tomorrow you're selling a different story that creates uncertainty and we, we feel like you're not clear. But where we are, where we see the entrepreneur or the business owner or managers 
have a crystal vision on what the role of this capital is going to be and where the business is going to be in the medium term, long term, uh, it's easier to attract capital from that perspective because we know what we are supporting. Um, the other thing is uh, the credibility of the backers, especially for entrepreneurs, is something that is often looked at. A business that doesn't have financial track record, what you have to look at or what you have going for you is your credibility as an entrepreneur. What is your background? Have you worked elsewhere? And if so, how much competence do you have in the space of the new venture you are working on? If not, um, what are some of the things that make me trust that you will not take my money and go with it uh, and probably buy a yacht or something, move to Dubai or something? Um, so the credibility of the entrepreneur is often looked at critically uh, in two aspects, your ability to run the business or the idea that you're seeking capital for, and then two, your ability to work with us uh, in the long term as a person who's providing patient capital. So uh, I think these are often the main items, and then of course they get to be more technical ones in terms of the value of the business, size of market, is it a business that operates within a very niche market? And if so, how do we price for it? Uh, or is it one targeting mass market? If so, how do we, we look at scalability and our percentage, I mean, share of market uh, as relates to the, the, the business? So those are a bit more technical, but I think at core, the credibility of the entrepreneur, the governance structures, and at minimum having your books in order are the key indicators uh, that are non-negotiable from an investor point of view. Thank you, Eva. So um, your partnership with Angaza is to enable more women to progress. It's, it's aimed at enabling more women to progress. So what are the areas where women in private equity and venture capital need to build their capacity on looking at technical leadership and some of the ones that you've mentioned? Right. I think private equity and venture capital as if most other financial sector services is very heavy on the male gender. And uh, I'm still not sure why, but we see a lot of women in the junior roles. And then as you progress into principal, it sort of is like a final. The numbers are leaner and leaner. And then when you get to partner, there are very few up there. Um, so a few things come to mind for private equity. It's very relational as an industry. We raise money from people. So there's a relationship there in earning the trust of people will give you money to invest. And then once you have locked that money of your fundraised and secured the, the capital to deploy, you have to now make new relationships with the entrepreneurs or the families or the managers that want to deploy money into. So it's very relational and it requires a lot of networking, putting yourself out there. And sometimes I've, I find, and it comes up quite a bit that women, it's not our default that we, this is something that we will necessarily say we enjoy. Um, I've interacted with a few women who say they hate the networking aspect of the job. So you ask, what are some of the areas? I think that's one. How do we get women comfortable in these social setups where you use the social skills for fundraising and then use them again for deal sourcing and deal origination. The technical bit, I, I do not doubt for one second that the women are at par with the men, but it's these softer things that, 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 that kind of set us apart. Um, a lot of 
closing of deals especially is done is very relational it's a back and forth um get to ensure that the person you're getting into partnership with as an investee is comfortable with you so again how do you ensure that there's a balance there and then beyond that is also now instilling the confidence maybe in society that women are as good as men in terms of deploying capital so it's also not uncommon to get a lot of this portfolio companies which are run by men looking at women and wondering if you have what it takes to work with me as a partner um so maybe less so a training for on our side but society also has a long way to go in terms of accepting women as decision makers especially where funding is concerned um but by large i feel like this are uh, shifts that uh, these are trends that are shifting um as we get more women into leadership we have some of the biggest deals done in kenya done by women um and and, and hopefully it will catch on with within within other industries uh oh not other industries but uh as <laughs> within the industry as time progresses but uh, i think for now what i can say is we need to look at how to get women more women comfortable with those negotiation transactional skills um that are required for fundraising and also for deal deal sourcing so um looking at um the various um areas you touched on what role does east africa venture capital um play in promoting gender diversity in leadership in private equity and venture capital all right so one it's through partnerships such as we have with angaza uh use our platforms and other peers platforms to amplify the role the necessity of having a gender lens in investing private equity or venture capital so we've partnered with people like angaza women work um new faces new voices to amplify the gender diversity narrative um we also have uh within the investment strategies one called gender lens investing and it's a space we have created workshops for we have done research on um have taken part in research and round tables around how do you mainstream a gender lens into investment strategies or how do we make it more deliberate for people to pick companies and or look at companies using a gender lens uh so gender lens investing is the other thing we use to amplify gender or diversity of gender um within the funding ecosystem the third one that i would mention is we have our own awards um at the end of the year ebca has industry awards and we always do seek to recognize we have a category called the women leadership award which seeks to recognize and honor women who've been doing transactions private equity or venture capital within an year um and are helping in contributing to growing the face of uh, i mean the prominence of women as deal makers so those three are some of the ones that i can think of right now um that we have been using to 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 sort of amplify diversity of gender within the pe and vc space of course there is other ways um so outside of evca that our members are doing it so especially for the dfi members they have very clear technical assessments on how to use 
how to apply gender diversity within the private equity investment, whether at portfolio level or whether at fund level. There's a lot that's being done in the PEVC ecosystem to nurture diversity of gender. And I think as time goes on, um, we'll see a lot more activity by women. But for now, um, the three I mentioned are some of the ways that EVC is more actively involved. So thank you. Thank you very much for your time. Um, would you have any final thoughts to share? Yeah, my final thoughts are first to congratulate the Angaza Award winners um, 2021. Congratulations. You are women of excellence and uh, role models. And I hope to see a lot more of you sort of pulling the younger generation to sit alongside yourselves um, around the table. Uh, the second is to congratulate our Angaza Awards. I think this is the third year that they're doing this and um, it continues to grow and get better. And uh, for the work that you're doing, thank you so much to, on behalf of the women in PNBC. We really, really do thank you and look forward to working with you a lot more. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, we have learned a lot from you on lo localizing private equity and venture capital and what startups need to do to attract more investments and um, what we as women um, and the women who are already at the C-suite level need to do to, to grow, um, to grow each other. We're grateful for you um, being our partner in Angaza Awards. We look forward to continue um, a fruitful partnership with yourselves. And we look forward to hosting you during the 2022 Angaza Award Ceremony in June. Thank you. All right, I'll be there. Thanks a lot for, for having me. And thanks again for having this podcast.